Hello, it is October 25th, 2022, and you're listening to a special Halloween edition of the Gridiron Fantasy Football Podcast. This is another edition of the Gridiron Fantasy Football Podcast, Halloween edition. We are uh, getting ready for next Monday, Halloween, but we've got some football games that we've got to get in. So it's nice to see you, Scott. How are you doing? Good to see you too, buddy. It's uh, happy Halloween. It's good good to be back. You know, it's uh, uh, what, what are you dressed up as today? Oh, I'm the Tin Man. Uh, you know, I, you know, me and the kids are going to go out on Monday. I got me as a tin man. Stephanie is going to be a scarecrow. I got my daughter, Kennedy, as a Dorsey and Carter's going to be a little cowardly lion. So pretty pumped up about that. Nice. That's, that's yeah. a great, yeah. that's a great family costume idea. And you, and you, and Eagle you, Mentoya. Well, close, close, close. I'm dressed up as a better fantasy football manager. Can't you tell? Yeah. So that's what a better fantasy football uh, manager looks like. The, yeah. A, a smile, confidence, you know, a, okay. little, a little a little pep in his step, you know, like a few wins under his belt, you know, all those kind of good things. Yes. But, I, I mean, yeah. we are doing this podcast week after week and you – uh continue to not to have terrible luck in the gridiron and i'm trying not to go there uh in fact we won't go there yet but we are going to go there i'm sorry i just want to prepare you. i mean no it, it, it is you know it is what it is you know some you don't you don't win a championship every year True. for some people they don't win it ever but you don't yeah. win it every year True. so you know it's just something you gotta you gotta you got to learn from. That's the biggest thing. An L is only a loss if you don't learn a lesson. True. Very true. I like that. Uh, let's start out. What are you watching? Um, it's still a busy week. It's spooky week. What are you watching right now? Uh, main thing I'm watching right now is Andor. I think we've got another two episodes at the end of the season. Um, it's They're on episode eight right now. It's been really, really good show. I think it's been uh, very uh, kind of a gritty storyline on its own without needing any of the large fanciful star Wars uh, storylines or main characters, which has been very compelling. And it's been a little more gritty and real, um, which I've really enjoyed. And yeah, that's really been the main thing we want to talk about. But one other thing, I know how I trashed the end of She-Hulk last week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I did see a bit of a thing that like could make it better. Mm Mm-hmm. So someone mentioned her assistant. I can't remember what her name is. She, the actress did really well in that role. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes, uh, yes, yes. So she wears a lot of jewelry the whole time. I didn't realize the jewelry, the emblem she's wearing is the same emblems that Agatha wears from the uh, WandaVision series. No. 
It's the same emblems. And in that series, Agatha does look straight at the camera. She doesn't break the fourth wall, but she does look straight at the camera. And that's a that's a choice to make because a director will always be like, no, don't look at a camera actor. You're right. a fucking idiot. Big no-no. So that's a, Yeah, so, so that was a choice she made. And at one point in She-Hulk, the assistant looks straight at the camera as well. It doesn't say anything either, but looks straight at the camera. I'm saying there's potential for the show to be better than the crap ending that it had. So that would be cool. Well, it's not the end of She-Hulk. We're going to see a no, lot of She-Hulk. Yeah, I, but. I bet you we're going to see multiple seasons of She-Hulk. There's going to be a lot, a lot I've of. I've been it, told there's supposed to be two seasons at least. Yeah, and I think Agatha's got her own thing brewing as well, her own spinoff. I, that, I agree. I, I I've heard that as well. But she was a really good character. I just I just think that would be the only thing that could save that ending. So it was like it didn't make sense at all. She just broke the fourth wall and then was like, "Hey, it's over." I called the cops and it was like cool what end of a superhero show or movie was it was it where the guy goes hey i called the cops on him all right see you in 20 minutes and that's the end it's like that's about as lame as it possibly gets so. she's a lawyer she's a lawyer and she's a <laughs> she's superhero a I, I don't follow the law <laughs> she has to i mean otherwise people will think that she's a uh, you know a crazy out of control villainous superhero Is- so it sounds kind of like a double standard for women, though, because I don't see any male superheroes abiding by the law and worrying whether they're going to get in trouble or not. They just kind of do whatever the fuck they want to do and go, you're welcome, and that's it. Mm, yeah, She-Hulk taking us back down a peg out of all this progress that we made for women. Uh, <laughs> what are you watching right now? Uh, House of Dragon, the finale. I don't know if you've watched it all the way through or have watched it at all. I, I've watched most of it. I've not gotten to the finale. I've just been a bit busy this past couple of weekends, but I'm meaning to catch up this weekend. Show gets significantly better after the first three or four episodes. I I don't like the fast forward. I don't like how they uh, separate so many years and try to do that in one season. You know, I, I've talked about this with other people and, you know, people are like, well, would you want the king to drag that whole thing to be dragged out over three seasons? Yes. Absolutely, I would. I wanted more of the king. I wanted more of uh, you know these characters. I wanted more development of these characters. They've gone from children to now adults, uh, you know, vying for for uh, the throne. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, there's a few criticisms, but like I said, the show gets r- a lot better as it progresses to the end of the season. So, something to look forward to if you haven't watched it yet. I'll have to check it out. I will say I was a little disappointed on the lack of uh, nudity in House of Dragons. I feel like in House of, in Game of Thrones, it was like three times right. an episode. Yeah. They were just like, bam, nudity right in your face. House of Dragons, yeah. they're like, Mm-mm, no, no, no. You done. get to see one kid jerking off out a window and that's it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. One jerk off kid. And that was, yeah. that was pretty much the extent of the, the nudity. Yeah. So uh, yeah, fair criticism. Uh, let's, let's get into football. Let's get into football. That's why we came we here, right? Yeah, that's why we came here. We came here to talk about some uh, football in our spooky attire. Um, all right, let's get it out of the way. 0-7, what kind of emotional toll does that take on you throughout the season? I mean, you know pretty much you've got seven games left. You know you have to win all seven, and you still might not make the playoffs. What does that? How does that feel? Feels pretty fucking awful. Not gonna lie. I've made a lot of moves. I've made a lot of trades. I've, you know, moved people around. And no matter what I did, 
and no matter how long they were on my team before they were off to someone else's, it's like they knew they were on my team. They just decided to suck until they got off my team or something. It was, it, it's been quite infuriating. Not, I'm not going to lie, but you know, you don't win a ship every year. And sometimes they're just, just things out of your control, you know, and uh, sure. you know, when players have been doing so well and then, then you put them to start and they just decide to suck. Not really much you can do. So. There's really not. I mean, and, and, you know, I, I have to say you haven't managed terribly. It's just things really haven't gone your way. I mean, taking yeah, every year we take risks, right? We take risks every single year. And uh, sometimes those risks don't pay off. You're not going to win if you play by uh, the guidelines that are set out before you by the experts prior to the season. You're not going to sure. win if you just do that. You have to take risks. You have to say, you know, everybody says this guy's going to be bad. I'm going to take a, a shot at him. Everybody says this person's going to be good. I'm going to pass on him for X reasons, you know, whatever. And it seems like you took a lot of risks and loss this year. And it is what it is, right? It is what it is. So um, hopefully you can dig yourself out and, you know, at the very least, not get the dreaded last place right so um yeah. obviously you got to fight to the end not to not to get one of those on your record uh let's talk about around the gridiron okay let's get into our fantasy league old man syndrome okay we've talked about this in the past aaron Rodgers, tom brady falling apart uh russell wilson doing terrible these guys that we've known for the last decade plus uh, you know, two decades in Brady's case to be fantasy superstars and carry our teams to uh, fantasy glory are now sputtering to the point where they can't even score a touchdown or in Brady's case, beat the Panthers this last week. Um, Matt Ryan is the first to fall out of a starting seat permanently. Sam Ellinger, the old quarterback for the Texas Longhorns, is taking over. Do you think this is an improvement? Do you think there's anything that, uh, that that automatically off the top of your head improves from getting Matt Ryan out from under center? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, honestly, I, I, I see it more as, uh, as an announcement, like, Hey, we're not going to win this year. If you want to try to offer us, you know, X amount of picks for some good players, call us is what they're saying to the rest of the league. Basically, like we're closing up shop. We're thinking about next year. We're thinking about the draft. And honestly, if Aaron, Ro if you take away the pedigree in the past of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, if you just take that away and you start everything from day one in this season, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady in the same boat, and Matt Ryan's already been benched. Do you think that Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady would uh, would be benched as well if we're just looking at this season? I don't think Tom Brady. Um, Aaron Rodgers would have be considered. I mean, Tom Brady, there's not really somebody behind him uh, that I'm super Sam Ellinger in. isn't somebody behind Matt Ryan either. They, I, just, they just throw out a warm body out there. He like, plays hey, Matt, the preseason. Okay. He had a great preseason. He's got that mobile aspect. So did Mitchell Trubisky. They have offensive weapons in Pittman and uh, Alec Pierce. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor, who was the number one running back coming into the season. 
a stable of tight ends, Paris Campbell, they've got a decent O-line. I mean, they've got the weapons, not to mention, even with Matt Ryan, their passing ranks as far as passing yards, passing efficiency is pretty good. Watching Matt Ryan was awful, but what we don't realize is he did okay as far as the numbers are concerned. Very deceiving, these numbers, because when you actually watched him play, it was like nails on a chalkboard. But the Colts' offense is, is by metric standard, pretty dang good. So Ellinger is coming into a situation that is really good. Um, If you're talking about Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady is not going to be replaced because Tom Brady, by any uh, any other person's standard, oh, I know he's not going to be replaced because he's Tom Brady. But if no. the way he's playing is there, he's sucked. So if you take away his past and you're just like, "Wow, this guy sucks," let me put in someone that doesn't fucking suck. Then that's it. That, that's all. I, I'm talking about. What have you done for me lately? And that's what everybody get, uh, gets compared to, except for these guys that got an MVP or Super Bowl fucking five plus years ago, which shouldn't matter anymore. Because he's they're not 10. the same guy. He's QB ten. He's not, they're not the same guy. He's still a QB one. He's QB ten right now. As much as we, so we, he's on the cusp. He's on the cusp. No, I think people on the cusp are people like down at the Russell Wilson is somebody where it's like put him on the bench. Yeah. He's bad. Yeah, but they already they already paid him guaranteed money for the next five years, so they can never bench him. Matthew he could Stafford. he could lose every game for the rest of the year, and they wouldn't bench him because they're so fucking committed to him. That, that's why that contract doing five years guaranteed is the dumbest thing to ever fucking do. You give them no incentive. You give them no, no actual reason to try harder. Why? You already guaranteed them the money. It doesn't matter to them anymore. Yeah. So it's, it's quite a foolish way to go about business. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> I need a Montoya. Uh, <laughs> so if you had to pick one person off this offense that you want, though. Besides Sam Ellinger, obviously, um, in our league, he's not for sale. <laughs> I've thrown all kinds of different trades at the maestro trying to grab Sam, Sam Ellinger, who's, who's had for a couple weeks, um, and nothing's come of it. If there's one offensive player do you, that you think improves upon a mobile quarterback, a, cor- a young, fresh quarterback that can move his pocket, who do you think it is? It'd be Jonathan Taylor. A running game is always the, the best friend to, to a young quarterback because then the, all the, pr- the pressure isn't on you. Mm-hmm. But their run game hasn't necessarily been there this year. So And and now Taylor had an ankle injury not too long ago. So I don't know how great an offense is going to be. I mean, Michael Pittman, he basically just uses his body and just shields out the, de- the defensive backs to catch things. It's it's not a great offense. It, it's it's good. It, it's right. okay because they have some good players and they they have pretty decent offensive line. Its biggest problem is it's 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 pretty fucking predictable. Like it, it, there there aren't that many like oohs with that Ryan when things happen. Yeah, but with Sam Ellinger, I don't I don't see I don't see them uh, reinventing the wheel there with Sam Ellinger. I think it's still going to be a uh, pretty mediocre offense. Gotcha. Uh, I like. Alec Pierce and I know I'm a homer saying that because he's on my team he's on a lot of my teams uh and I've been a big Alec Pierce fan all year I just think when you have somebody in a short yard situation like Alec Pierce is in that 10 to 20 yard range a lot uh you kind of become a quarterback's best friend especially a young quarterback's best friend 
Um, and somebody who's a really good route runner like Alec Pierce can really open up space and build trust with somebody like that. So I like Alex Pierce prospects. I liked him with Matt Ryan and I like him even better as a slot guy uh, and, and a wide receiver three ish. Uh, if we're talking fantasy uh, person going forward. So we'll have to see, but I think the Colts do well. I think that's a really valuable pickup and that's why I really am trying to get him um, trying to move Kenny Pickett away from Kenny Pickett not really working nobody wants to buy him uh so i'll stick with them for now but uh yeah let's let's uh see so so matt ryan goes down if there is a person realistically who do you think the next starter to start the year or even somebody that didn't start the year who would you think the next person to sit down is um I mean, because like we we're just talking about, Russell should be benched, but they're not going to bench him because they paid him too much money. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Tua should be shouldn't really be playing. Obviously, I've, spoke, I've said that before, but, but not for performance. You know, that, that's up to him. No, no, not performance reasons. Um, just for health health reasons before they carve him off the field. Uh, you know, it's tough to say. It's tough to say. Who do you think is going to be benched next? Mariota. Uh, I think oh. that if you had somebody yeah. uh, that. You know, the Falcons aren't really going anywhere. They're running the game like they're fucking Navy, where they run like eight plays in a row, rushes. It's not good to watch. They're not featuring their stars, Drake London and Pitts. Uh, They're trying to win literally by controlling the clock and hoping that they can't put their defense on the field. Not a dumb thing to do from a managerial standpoint. Try to win games. But honestly... That's not going to realistically get you anywhere and in the playoffs. And, you know, if you ever get behind in a game, you can count them out. Now, the Falcons were interesting because they were uh, coming into this week 7-0 and against the spread and then got trounced uh, by the Bengals this last week. And that came to an end. Um And the reason that they're so good against the spread is because that clock management, right? Um, Bringing in a fresh face, if they continue to lose, like Ritter, uh, who Mm. was a quarterback pick this this last year, might be better for Pitts, might be better for uh, Drake London, might be better for court pack going forward, might be better for the offense. Obviously, more mistakes might happen. The offense might not run as smoothly, but you get experience for a rookie quarterback and you let your offense kind of shine, build on something maybe for next year. Uh, I think that would be a smart move. Nothing against Mariota. I think he's had a fine fantasy season, but honestly, I, I, I really honestly think that uh, it, it might be a good idea to set him down and get uh, Ritter some experience. So I think he's a really good pickup uh, going, going forward. And in fact, I think earlier today in our league, he just got traded for, for a wide receiver three Garrett Wilson. So. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I think I think it's about time to bench Mariota. It doesn't seem like they have any confidence in him, so there's not really any point in putting him out there. Yeah. So we had probably the biggest trade, I would say, of the year this last week. Uh, and it's already been we've already seen the fruits of it. You had Chase uh, Camacho one in five. I mean, you know how that is. Bottom of the rung, trying to make things happen. You're at the end of your rope here. Uh, 
trying to make the and you've got Brad, uh, you know, what's his damn team? I always I always forget his damn team name. You bat. You bat. Uh, he's got Josh Allen. He's had a few quarterback two problems. Uh, trying to build that super team, go into the playoffs with the two solid quarterbacks, which is like our old legacy way of winning championships that we've always known um, from early, late 2000s, even into this last decade, uh, early, you know, 11, 12, 13, the way to win championships in our league was to have two really good quarterbacks. He's going that strategy. Uh, So let's, let's go over the trade here. Uh, It was Damian Pierce, Jimmy G, Justin Fields, Gerald Everett for Dawson Knox, Jalen Warren, Hawkinson, and Joe Burrow. Who do you think won that trade? I think I think it's pretty even, honestly. Um, just because, like you said, Camacho's trying to get out of the bottom. Uh, Brad, uh, Brad's shoring up his place up top. Camacho got two quarterbacks, which is elite in our, our league. And Justin Fields hadn't been playing very well until this past week when he just started decided to run the ball a lot more, which is probably what he should normally do. And Jimmy G, he puts up a decent amount of points for being Jimmy G. Um, whereas Brad gets Joe Burrow, his boy, and he gets two pretty decent tight ends. Jalen Warren, he already dropped him, but if anything happens to Najee, that guy would be pretty good. Um, I think I think it's pretty even just because, you know, like I said, Camacho got two QBs and, and uh, for the price of, of Joe Burrow, and I like the tight ends. I don't think Brad's going to, you know, keep both of them, but I like Knox and Hawkinson, honestly. I'd try to trade one of them. Um, like I said, I, I think it's a pretty even trade just because two QBs for one and a couple tight ends, it's a good deal for both of them for what they both needed, basically. I think it's a classic deal in that somebody is trying to take advantage of somebody at the bottom, uh, and and he did. And I didn't. I, I don't. I'm not going to throw Chase under the bus, throw Camacho under well, the bus, and say. I, I, w- I will say, as a guy at the bottom, mm-hmm. you don't have that many choices. You're not going to win right. on many trades because you're at the bottom because a lot of your players just aren't doing as well as they should be. So it's like. If you want to move something, either you're going to give up your best parts for a bunch of mediocre ones to try to fill out the rest of your team, or you're going to give up shitty parts for equally shitty team parts. I don't know. It's not there's not much you can do. Either either I'm getting my throat ripped or I'm making a fair trade that doesn't really help me move or go anywhere. So it's just like you gotta you gotta do something. You gotta you gotta make you gotta take some risks like we we're taking earlier. And I think that's what Camacho did. He took a couple of risks with Jimmy G and Justin Fields, see what could happen. And and honestly people villainize the people at the bottom saying like, why did you do something like that? Why would you give up Joe Burrow to the guy that owns Josh Allen in a two quarterback league? Uh, You know, like you said, everybody wants to win. Everybody still has percentages to win. You cannot take away somebody's choice to win. Even if you think that their best opportunity was to keep Joe Burrow on their team. Um, Listen, football is a week-to-week sport, and if Joe Burrow gets hurt, Chase fleeced Brad. Obviously, what what he gave up, Hawkinson uh, and and bench fodder for Hawkinson, Burrow, and bench fodder for four decent players, uh, four pretty valuable players, 
I mean, that's what you have to do when you're at the bottom. So we'll look back on this if Brad wins the championship or if Brad gets hurt or if Burrow gets hurt and we'll say who actually definitively won. At this point, I think Brad really won the trade as long as Burrow keeps playing the way. He set the, the league on fire the last two weeks. Um, well, he's played really, that, that's, really well. That's going to change now because Burrow didn't get hurt, but Jamar Chase did. So I think that's True. you're, you're going to see what kind of quarterback he really is without his go-to wide receiver that he can just bomb it to. It's going to be well, a whole yeah. different game plan for him. He, he cannot keep the pace that he has for the past few weeks without somebody like Jamar Chase. I absolutely the, 100% agree yeah. with that. Because a lot of the, if you look at the highlights for the past couple of weeks, it's like he throws it into double coverage. Jamar Chase steps in front of the DB, make, makes a move. The safety goes whew, flying by with some stupid die-ass tackle, and he just walks into the end zone. He's like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if that was really a good play by Jamar Chase or if the DBs are just fucking angels in the outfield out there. They look like a bunch of idiots. Yeah. So well, I, I just I just want to see what he does without him now because all those plays are just always so ridiculous to me. And I'm like, really? Should you guys be in the NFL? Really? You sure? Yeah. Go back to Wake Forest or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll see how it is. Um, my opinion is Brad won it, but again, only time will tell. We're heading in the second half here. Uh, our league statistics, gentlemen, Disco Lemonade, um, put out the league statistics for the first half. Ranks based on our positional ranks, position statistical ranks for the first half of the season. Um, it was pretty clear the haves and the have-nots from the first half, meaning the people who were good offensively in the first half were at the top, and the people who were bad offensively in the first half were at the bottom. My question is, and there's a conversation there about because I I feel like defense wins championships. Do you think that? Okay, first of all, let me clarify: defense wins championships. Meaning, if you have a decent offense and a great defense, you can win a championship against a great offense with a terrible defense. Um, if you have no offense. If your offense is terrible, it doesn't matter. The rest of the team does not matter. Okay, that is, that is, let me clarify that. How much do you think in our league, IDP contributes to winning a championship? That's my question to you. I think the concept of defense wins championships is like you were just saying, you know, you still have to have a, pretty decent to good offense and yes. essentially it's the it's the difference maker in the postseason yeah. in the postseason you're always going to see everybody's going to have you know those star qbs star wide receivers star running backs on their teams and it's going to be fairly even matchup offensively the difference for every team is always going to end up being the defense being whether you have a guy that averages zero to five points a week five to eight points a week or eight to 12 points a week or more. And that's going to be the difference because you have six guys on your defense. If they're all scoring five to eight points and your opponents are scoring eight to 12 points each, that's a huge difference. That's a 30, 30 to 60 point swing right there, depending on your defense and how poorly they do. Because a lot of times defenses that aren't maintained very well, 
do very poorly, put up goose eggs or put up less than five points. And that's where the difference comes in. That's when championships win, or when defense wins you championships. I know for me, at least in one of my ships against Brad, it was a pick six that made, that really made the difference in the game. You know, we both had great offenses. We both had great QBs, but it was my, it was my defense that made the difference in the game that he, his defense was, you know, they just weren't the, uh, big play turnover kind of guys. And I had, I had some solid guys and I had some splash guys and it was the splash guys that finally came through. And so that, those are the kind of things that can make or break your team in the postseason. And I think that's why I agree with you that that defense does win championships. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's a, there's definitely not a concentration on defense as far as our fantasy league. Uh, people look at their teams. They want the receivers. They want the running backs. They want the tight ends. Uh you know, they want to fill that. They don't care about defense. Well, fill me in some people off the free agent wire. That's great. And right now that might be doing things for you as far as, you know, getting up the standings to get those early season wins. Uh, As the season progresses, if you concentrate on defense, you concentrate on kicker or tight end, the things that people don't usually value, especially at this point in the season, especially how these statistics show, if you look left when everybody else is looking right, uh, I think you have an advantage going forward. And I think that's something that people are ignoring. Uh, we'll see as time goes on wh- how I explain how my season has gone. I'm first in defense, almost first in every defensive metric. I am in ninth place, four and three. So as this sh- has shown, uh, I-, I am last in offense dead last in offense. I'm worse than you in a lot of offensive metrics. Um, my team isn't that bad. It's my, it's my points against that are bad. (laughs) Well, there's that, there's that as well. Uh, a lot of this has to do with luck. I've faced some teams that have really shit the bed. That puts me at four and three. I could easily be one and six, uh, you know, two and five, but anybody could, because that's just how fantasy football works in a head to head league. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that, I've struck out and whiffed offensively terribly this year, taking risks that have not, uh, you know, worked out, obviously, with DJ Moore. Kyle Pitts has played shitty. Uh, Davis Mills really hasn't played up to the point that I want him to at this point. Uh, You know, taking risks, spot low on Kenny Pickett and Deontay Johnson. You know that they really haven't improved since they've, you know, become starters or or, or at least Kenny Pickett. Um, You know, it's just it is what it is. Yet I'm still four and three and still surviving, still uh, treading water. So, um, yeah, defense is not going to carry you by itself. But it, it, when it comes to winning a championship, you got to have it. You got to have that. You have a tight end. You got to have a kicker. You can't just bring some scrubs off the street. So, just something to pay attention to. Uh, let's talk about the first half real quick and you can chime in here if you, if you feel like it, I, I put together, uh, MVP and not MVPs for the first half based on position and not MVPs, the obvious guys, the number one overall at their position. I'm talking about MVPs based on where they were drafted and expectations that we had on them before the season. Uh, let's start with QB. It's gotta be Gino, right? Uh, currently... Gino is quarterback. I want to say six or seven. I think he's seven. Uh, 
yeah, he's seven. So quarterback seven. So you got Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, Jackson, Hurts, Herbert, which is totally predictable. And then Gino. Okay. That's pretty damn good considering he was a bottom three quarterback, I think, taken in the draft. Really outplayed uh, his his uh, average draft position. Wide receiver, Devin DuVernay. We had a big laugh about this in uh, in our draft because Devin DuVernay was just put up on a pedestal by Yahoo, uh, at giving him predictions at 12, 13 points a game. So he's really come through. I think it's bolstered by return touchdowns and his targets per game. But it is what it is. He's had a great first half. Khalil Herbert at running back, somebody that's really um, – come out and and uh, spell David Montgomery pretty well and and obviously has looked like he's the better of the running backs in Chicago um, Taysom I'm not going to talk forever on Taysom mm-hmm. I know I bored people with all my Taysom talk but honestly tight end three after being Mr. Irrelevant on a draft I drafted him at the very end hoping that he would get some tight end work he is somebody that they're featuring week in and week out at quarterback, tight end, receiver, running back, everywhere. Uh, Ryan Suckup, that Tampa Bay offense, um, it just is not scoring touchdowns. And when they're not scoring touchdowns, at least they're getting to the other side of the field. Suckup is hitting the the field goals. I think his only misstep is a uh, missed 40 to 49er. And that's why, for me, again, I like kickers you don't miss. Ryan Suckup gets the kicker first half MVP. And on defense, you know this guy really well. Tariq Woolen um, is somebody that we're going to have to be watching from here on out. I feel like he is a Darrell Revis uh, type player who's going to have an island and people are, gonna, are not going to want to throw at him. But these corners only ever become those type quarterback or corners that nobody wants to throw at him after they have a season where people do throw at him and get burned time and time again. So, uh, yeah, those are our first half. MVPs. Is there any other first half MVPs that I'm missing? No, I mean that I think that's a pretty solid list. Like you said, uh, you know, nobody expected Gino to be this good. It never underestimate a quarterback with a chip on his shoulder. Uh Devin's got a lot of roles he plays, so he's got a lot of chances to touch the ball. And if Lamar is gonna throw the ball, it's usually a bomb anyway, so that's helpful for him. Khalil has been the fresher legs of the running backs in Chicago and they're a run heavy team, so that's always good for him. Taysom Hill's having a year of his life. He, he's really having a career season with, uh, uh, what's it called? James Winston being out. He's taking advantage of everything. Suckups on a good team that they're always going to be at least in scoring position for him, you know? And like you said, Brady's playing so bad, they're not scoring many touchdowns, so it's field goals all day for Suckup. And Tariq Woolen, I think yeah, I, I agree with the fact that he's playing so well right now that next year he might be uh, fantasy relevant, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's do overreaction Thursday. What's wrong with Tom Brady? Uh, we'll start out with that. You know, he's just not playing up to what we thought it would be when he came out of retirement. Speaking of coming out of retirement, is there anything more annoying than somebody retiring and wanting all the attention to themselves and getting all these tributes and people saying there's the best they ever do it and all this sort of stuff and then coming back? unexpectedly and sucking ass like Serena Williams is doing this right now. And it's 
to me, I'm sorry, it's the most annoying fucking thing in the world. Like, you get the whole sports world to stop what they're doing and praise you and say, this is, you've inspired me and you're one of the best to ever do it. And like all this sort of shit. And everybody goes through this pomp and circumstance. And then you're like, well, I, you know, I'm not done playing though. After like six months, well, I'm not done. I don't know why you thought I was done. It's like, come on. Like when you're done, you're done. Brett Favre did this whole thing. And he came back for a different team, and we all thought it was great, and I thought it was great at the time. Obviously, Brett Favre, looking back on that, it wasn't as great as I thought. But, you know, this Tom Brady literally did this within, like, two months. So it's not – I don't know. What's wrong with Tom Brady? Tell me, tell me what's wrong with Tom Brady. Well, there's a lot of issues wrong with Tom Brady. He's got a lot of confidence issues and uh, major ego-shattering um, kind of complex but we don't need to dive into that right now. Um, essentially, the way I like to look at it, like the different experiences you just thought, said, that first retirement is a retirement from the good player that we knew. When they come back, they come back as that, like, you know, in a movie where they, like, they kill someone and they're like, oh, can you bring them back, though? Can you bring them back to life? And they're like, he's not going to be the same, though. They're like, I don't care. I'll still love him. And they're like, okay. And then they come back and they're like half zombie and they're like, kind of weird and like not the same at all and they're like this is what you told me and they're like yeah okay, but here he is that's that's what happens every time they come back as this half zombie life version of themselves and they're just like oh i, I, I could still do it i, I could I throw the football over the mountains over there <laughs> you know Ooh, and just yeah everything's just very uncle rico of them and mm. it's just it just reeks of desperation really and it's like dude you're not the same guy anymore and honestly for tom brady's sake He's starting to feel a lot like Aaron Rodgers, with where he's just pointing fingers at everybody else. He's screaming like, at his blaming. own. Line. Yeah, and it, and it's like, so if you were part of a team, and someone that's not your boss is yelling at you to do a better job, and telling you that you suck, and that you should be benched, is that motivating to you? Is that like, ooh, let me put in some extra effort for this guy, or do you think to yourself, wow, who's this piece of shit? thought he retired like yeah. I, I just feel like nobody is going to respect them nobody's going to like you know actually try to protect them you're yelling at the guys that are supposed to protect you i mean honestly it's like at a certain point be like it just kind of like be like that scene in uh longest yard where they're just like just let him throw fuck this guy yeah like yeah at, at some point you you've got to be a leader and pointing fingers and yelling at people is not being a leader. You've got to take some accountability. And the, and obviously, with Tom Brady's sake, like I said before, he's got more important things on his mind right now. He's got other shit that he thinks are are just are more compelling to him because he's got you know football all figured out. Because to him, he's perfect. If anything goes wrong, it's somebody else's fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's your guy's fault. You know. So it's like until they get that complex out of their ass, which they're never going to because they are who they are now. Nothing's going to change. So. It's just like you're just waiting for them to leave. Yeah, that's all. Well, you're just waiting well, for them to, to to accept the fact that they need to be done. But I mean, there were times like you know Joe Montana or somebody you know went to Kansas City after leaving the Forty ers to go suck. You know, it's like this is just something they have to do. I could see Aaron Rodgers going to another team and sucking. You think Aaron Rodgers is gonna you know retire and become a family man? No, he's gonna he's gonna be out there playing until he has nobody else to point fingers at. 
So, there was some talks that maybe this was his last year. I don't think Tom Brady or I don't think Aaron Rodgers is built like Tom Brady. Tom Brady is a freak as far as health, but I mean, he's really damn old. Uh, yeah, I mean, I catches up with everybody. I mean, try to get into his head. If you really put everything on the line to come back and still play at a high level and you were getting beat out by PJ Walker, XFL, you know, star. And they lost embarrassing. To, they lost, to the, lost to the Steelers. They must lost to Kenny Pickett. And Mitchell they Trubisky. lost to Kenny Pickett. Yeah, and embarrassing your your team. I mean, obviously, this is not good. This is really bad for the for the Buccaneers, for Tom Brady's legacy, for literally everybody involved. Chris Godwin's career, uh, Fournette's career. I mean, he already like won these... a Super Bowl there in Tampa Bay. I mean, his legacy. I don't think any of that matters. I mean, nobody. You know that that's done. It's just it's just whatever, today, man. Today, he sucks. Everybody Drone sucks Bettis. at the end of their career. Drone Bettis, yeah, Drone went, Bettis out went out on top, top. because he was people smart. always he, remember he that. It, it wasn't always an ego thing of like, oh, I, I got to get one more, you know. And it's like it's like yeah. Hey, sometimes people sometimes will always remember that. I respect Drone Bettis for that. I it makes yeah. me like happy thinking about that. I respect this, him for being smart legacy. enough to know that though. Instead of coming back and, and like it's sucking so much to the point they cut him or something like that, it, you, know, you don't want to put your team in that position. Like Ben probably should have been done a little bit ago because the offensive line was so bad he didn't have mobility. If he had a better offensive line, like he could have gone and probably done really well at the at, at the Indianapolis Colts because they had a, they had a good line, but the Steelers didn't, so they had to go. It's just it's just a matter of time, kind of. I think if he plays at this level for the rest of the year, I know they asked him earlier or last week. You know, if you consider retiring next year and whatever. And he tr tried to put that baby to bed by saying, I have, I have no retirement in my near future, which is the smart thing to do. Don't, don't play at it. Like you're going to do that. So every year. If you keep sucking like yeah. you are right now, Basically. will you retire? Yeah. Yeah. You fucking should. He should, uh, you know, it's cause it's tough to watch and, and you gotta, you gotta know when to fold them. Uh, as Kenny Rogers once said, this London game coming up on Sunday, another Broncos primetime game. You gonna be up to watch the Broncos? You gonna sleep in? You know, I'll, I'll, I like a little London football game. I, I, I always, I always love a little London. I'll, I'll turn it on. I'll probably miss a little bit of the first quarter, but I'll definitely watch it. Um, what was this story about uh, Russell Wilson doing exercises on the plane? Yeah. Yeah, so Russell Wilson, obviously, he's getting over a myriad of injuries. He's not playing up to speed. He's kind of losing the respect of his teammates. And apparently ah. on the plane, he was staying limber by doing high knees in the aisle while everybody else was sleeping. Just. Okay, so first of all, if you're injured, then stay out until you're healthy. If you're playing then you're healthy enough to fucking play. And you can't blame your shitty play on injuries. It's one or the other. Don't You can't be saying, oh, I decided to play, but I'm injured. That's why I suck. If you're injured and that's why you suck, then fucking bench yourself and don't be a detriment to your fucking team. Second of all, you're flying to London. Your coach has booked an overnight flight that leaves at 7 p.m. and arrives there at 8 a.m. so that when you arrive there, you're on London time. If you're staying on up all night doing high knees and what other jackass sugar high toddler activities he could think of, not only is he not sleeping, he's distracting his teammates who are trying to sleep, who probably don't sleep well in airplanes because they're all 400 pounds and can barely fit in those seats. It just seemed like somebody should be like, hey, Russell, shut the fuck up and sit your ass back down in your seat. 
like something like regulate this fucking kid because right, right, the whole point they that. did it just it, it just it just seemed so ridiculous to me and russell's like yeah i was doing high knees on the airplane i'm like dude i'll do some high knees to a fucking victory or something like don't don't it just he just acts like a little kid and i'm just like dude you, you need to take this more seriously and the thing is he doesn't have to because he's been guaranteed the money that's the problem you know, you know the people on social media that just post a bunch of inspirational quotes and just spout bullshit every single day, and oh, yeah. you know, I mean, he is like a collection of all those people. I feel like if there's one person in the league, uh, in the NFL, that I would not get along with, like I could not even have a conversation with over a beer, it's Russell Wilson because I feel like he would in some way try to inspire me or like not even the religious side, but just like the church pastor, like attitude where it's like, you can be better than what you are now kind of thing. It's like, shut up, man. I just want to talk about, you know, like football or something. It's just, I don't know. It's it's, uh, like that with the combination, like if he was kicking ass right now, we'd all be like joking around about that, but we'd be like, damn, he's good. But right now he is just a punchline of the league. Um, it's kind of sad. Uh, to the watch. Broncos are the punchline because they paid that. Who's the fool? The fool or the one that pays the fool two hundred and fifty million dollars guaranteed? Ah, yeah, you're you're very good point. Very good point. Um, last thing on the overreaction Thursday, we've seen Burrow light the league on fire. I know we talked about him earlier with that trade talk. Is he the real deal? You think that continues? Oh, yeah. I mean, Burrow's been the real deal for the last few years. I mean, the fact that he went down with a knee injury his first year and came back and took his team to the Super Bowl in the second year is no, nothing short of extraordinary. It, it, the guy, the guy's, the guy's a beast. He can handle pressure. He can. He's taken probably more sacks than anybody since he got into the league, and still, still doing well. I mean, that you do not usually see that somebody that takes that many sacks. Uh, you know, either they're losing every game or at least their confidence is shattered. And that's neither one of them for him. So if he could take a few less sacks, that would be the only thing, but the guy's the real deal. The guy, the guys are guys. Are fucking champ. Yeah. He had a rough week one through four. He had uh, surgery and didn't really get any preseason in. So it feels like he's just now warming up and, and getting into what brought him to the Super Bowl last year. So yeah, I agree. I think that continues. Uh, let's do team that most have disappointed you last week. Teams that most disappointed me last week. I mean, I, I'd have, I'd have to say that the Steelers are still disappointing me. Yeah. I just, I just want to see more and I'll, I'll get more into that when we do the temperature check, but they're still mm-hmm. just so disappointing to me. Yep. Uh, Buccaneers, um, had them in a few parlays, obviously, you know, that's a selfish way of looking at it, but you lose the goddamn Panthers uh, as a 14-point yeah. favorite. Oh, disgusting. Uh, team that most impressed me this last week, I'm going to go with the Bears. Um, we hadn't seen that side of the Bears since Justin Fields became quarterback. That's what they drafted him to do. That's what they drafted Justin Fields uh, to go out and make this offense look like. Somebody that can extend the pocket, run when it breaks down i mean it looks like he was just everywhere he looked like kyler murray incarnate um and it it was really good so the bears really impressed me i need to see two weeks to think that that's the real deal um and not just like a prime time failure by the new england team that really couldn't move the ball in the first half 
until Zappy came in. Um, but yeah, I was really impressed by the Bears. Which team really impressed you last week? I'm gonna go have to stick with Dallas, specifically Dallas's defense. Their their defense has just been crazy lately, and I wasn't sure what it was gonna look like uh, for the whole team in general when Dak came back. But they played really well. I know Detroit hasn't been playing that well lately, but they did light up some people earlier in the year. So the defense really held them in check, and it just just looks like a scary team right now. They can run the football, they can play tough defense, and they've got the weapons to go to go to the air when they need to. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Mike Parsons got me a bonus sack on Thursday sack corrections. That defense is playing very, very well. Uh, player that most disappointed you this last week? I'd have to go with all of the players in the Steelers defense that dropped interceptions. Mm. Have you ever worn one of those gloves that the NFL players wear? Yeah. Have you ever heard from They're pretty you sticky. Could, you could literally... You you could like put one of those on and just flat palm a fountain and come up with five hundred coins just like this, not even squeezing, not even gripping. You will pick up ten dollars in coins. Hmm. The amount of interceptions they dropped is just was just inconceivable. It, it was absolutely inconceivable. It, it just it blew my mind yeah. how they how it could literally hit them in the chest, in the numbers, in the hands. They just go, oh, I dropped it. Yeah, it looked like that was a winnable game. Uh, Pickett came up short at the end, but I, I think that was a winnable game. Uh, player that most disappointed me, I'm a nostalgic guy. I hate seeing people go, especially people who uh, you know, started out in what I call the prime of my football days, which is the uh, mid-2000s there. So Matt Ryan, um, looking like he's at the end of his career, as, at least as far as a starter, um, was kind of sad. You know How we know Joe Flacco now, as a permanent backup and somebody that's never going to start again is now how you have to look at Matt Ryan, somebody that, you know, four or five years ago was in the Super Bowl and had a really high powered offense fell off really quickly. And it's because he really can't move. Uh, and when, you, when you're a quarterback yep. that is somebody that's dependent on uh, accuracy, getting the ball out, uh, you know, it, when you get older, <laughs> There's he really he looks played. like one of those guys that has only ever played quarterback. Like uh, like he's he's not an athlete. He's a quarterback. You know, like an athlete that plays quarterback is someone like uh, like Patrick Mahomes or even Lamar Jackson. They're both athletes that play quarterbacks because they can make plays off script. Matt Ryan, if the play goes off script, that's it. Like you said, he can't move. He, he's just he's just like ah shit. Play was play wasn't designed to go like this. I'll just follow, you know. So right. that, that's that's kind of the biggest issue. I think the league in general is moving towards athletes that play quarterbacks instead of people that are quarterbacks. Oh, absolutely. They've been moving towards speed forever. Uh, speed uh, combined with strength. Player that impressed me the most over the weekend was definitely Joe Burrow. I know we've just this is a Joe Burrow podcast, but you know we he did really well. Um, he he burned the league last week, and uh, he may continue to do so. Who impressed you the most? I was going to go with the guy you mentioned earlier in Justin Fields. He's he was amazing on Monday, and he's mm-hmm. that, that was what I've been waiting for him to do. Is honestly stop listening to your coaches. Your coaches don't know what they're doing. That's why they were hired by the Bears. So, like, just just take the ball in your own hands most of the times, and that's what he did. He just started running it most of the time, and it. 
you know, when you see all the DBs turn their back to you, just take off, you know? So it's like, they're, if they're not going to spy you, if they're not going to play that part of the part of the game, then take advantage of it. So yeah, that, that was uh, finally entertaining to watch him finally putting at least some of his athleticism to use. Right. Whereas before he was, it, it's like he was an athlete playing quarterback, but he was trying to just play quarterback and not be an athlete. And I was like, just, just be you, man, just be you. And he, yep. he went out there and did it on Monday night, which was good to see. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, match of the week. We started doing this last week. Uh, we said shot bets. I haven't seen you in person since we've done this, so there was no shot to be handed out. Uh, but you lost. I thought, I'm ready. Oh, I'm ready. you're ready. You're ready. Oh, I'm ready. shake it up. Shake it up, baby. Yeah, I like it chill. Okay. Well, let's let's see what we got. Thanks yeah. you well, to uh, Disco Lemonade, I guess, won this one after you picked. Yeah. So Disco Lemonade, um, this one's for you. What are we drinking here? Cheers, by the way? Disco. Uh, a little Espelon chilled. Espelon. Yeah. Mm. Cheers, Disco. Cheers, Disco. Okay. Oh, looks like we're even. Looks like we're even. Okay. So uh, <sighs> let's do one for this week. Let's and we do, do match of the week. And, it, you know, we're doing the top two records of the people who are competing, you know, the most entertaining matchup of the week in our fantasy league. Um, Disco Lemonade's in it again. Okay, uh, he's five and two, but he's facing uh, another team that is at the top of the standings in Notorious. So two five and two teams going at it. Um, I guess it's my turn to pick. You picked last week, so uh, based on what we see here, uh, listen. I don't like the New Orleans offense outside of Taysom. I don't. I, I, I think that they're brutal. Um, that Philadelphia matchup is going to be closer than you think. When I say Philadelphia, I mean uh, Pennsylvania matchup is going to be closer the, than you the think. The Steagles game. The Steagles game. Yeah, that's going to be closer than you think. Um, I'm that's going – I mean, there's many reasons. Starting two Green Bay running backs, uh, Stafford struggling in interdivision games. They're going, um, you know, they're playing against San Francisco this week. Uh, I like Neil's defense better. There's a number of things. I like Tom Brady tonight as well. I'm going to take Disco again. He got me a shot last week. I'm going to go Disco again. Uh, it looks like you're on notorious side so we'll see next week who takes the shot you like that notorious pick are you are you confident danny i i do i do like the notorious pick um just because i don't think that a struggling old man on a short week is going to do better um i mean other than the two starting two green bay running backs were notorious i really like the rest of his lineup i know you said you know uh Stafford stuff uh, struggles against division teams, but at least he's got Cooper Cup, and you know a lot of a lot, he's going to get a lot of that regardless. Um, I think it's going to be a very close matchup either way. Uh, so I think you can't really go wrong picking either one of them. But Disco has really had a lot of uh, good offensive power uh, firepower lately, so I think it's a good pick. Yep, it's so like it to me. It's fun 
in a uh, fantasy aspect to have two running backs from the same team. We I don't think we've ever really seen that. But he's got Aaron Jones and uh, A.J. Dillon and no one else. Like, literally no one else. He has Elijah Mitchell on IR. When he comes back, he's obviously going to be useless. That is waiver wire fodder. But no one else. He's just rolling with Aaron Jones and A.J. Like, that is crazy. Uh, props to him. He's in first place. Um, okay, let's keep moving on here. Gambling Corner. We got a game going on tonight, and I got to tell you, this is the closest game, not only on Thursday night, of the year. Like, when I made these notes, when I made the outline for this uh, for this podcast, it was Bucks plus one and a half. It has now moved to Bucks minus two. These teams are very evenly matched. The over-under is uh, super close. I believe it's 46. You could really go either way. Um, what I'm going to do, if I had to bet, I'm not going to bet on the game. I'll bet on props, but I'm not going to bet on the game. But for the sake of having bets, I'm two and three on the season on Thursday night bets. For the sake of having bets, I'm going to take Bucks minus two tonight. Okay, Tom Brady. On a prop, pretty confident on this. Bateman, Rashad Bateman, under 45 and a half yards. I know they're missing Antoine Winfield, uh, but I think this is going to be a really high-powered Lamar Jackson game where he gets outside the pocket and uh, runs the ball. He might struggle in certain instances, but I don't. I think that the Bucks are going to be uh, pretty content with taking away the deep shot. So, yeah. Bateman under 45 and a half yards. You think, what do you think? You like them tonight? You like the Bucks? I, I like, I do like the Bucks tonight. Um, I have a feeling this might be an over game. Um, just because the Ravens defense has been really, really bad in the second half the past few games. And that's with a full week of uh, preparation. So take away a few days, put them on the road. I can only assume they're going to suck more. So, you know, with that, you know, Lamar maybe puts up a few extra points. Um, I do like the Bucks winning, though, just because in the fourth quarter, Lamar and the defenses have both been very bad, um, whereas I would just count on Brady putting, putting together at least one drive at the end of the game. Gotcha. Gotcha. Fair enough. Uh, we'll see how that fares tonight. Sunday parlay is coming up. Uh, last week was my first win when I took the Bengals and Cowboys, my first win parlay win of the year. I'm going to start to get a little bit more fancy now. Okay. We've got that one win under our belt. I'm one and four on the season with these parlays. Shit. I'd be down only uh, like 200 some bucks because of that big win last week, this week um, going dolphins minus three. I think that line is just stupid right now. Dolphins minus three cards and Vikings over 49 and the Eagles to win that game against the Steelers, just money line, a hundred dollars to win three fourteen. Does that lose anywhere? You think that loses anywhere? No, I don't. I don't. I think you could take more of a risk. What's uh, what? Are, what are Eagles like? Plus nine or something? Eagles are minus ten and a half. Minus, I mean, minus ten and a half. Yeah, I take it. Yeah, <laughs> As a Steelers fan, you just want to shit on them, huh? No, it's not that. It's just. If you'd seen the idiocracy of the play calling by Matt Canada, 
it's so bad. There's just like, there's simple things like if you're going to run the ball, you know, okay, you have your offensive line, you have a strong side and a weak side, and you have a certain amount of hats on each side, depending on the defense. So where would you run the ball where you have less hats or more hats? Yeah. If you ask Matt Canada, it's the side with less fucking hats Mm -hmm. where you have less blockers. You know, if you're, if you're running a drag route or two with a wide receiver, should you run that to the short side of the field or to the, uh, to the long side? If you ask Matt Canada, he'll run it to the short side. It, you know, it, there's just so many things that you're just like, well, until they fire this guy and somebody just has the balls to be like, hey, man, you fucking suck. Get the fuck out of town. It's just going to be the same <laughs> shit all day. Then you got people like Deontay Johnson. Watch Deontay Johnson play. I watch he's him, the man. the easiest fucking cunt in the league. He's on he's my the team. Wide receiver that, he's on the wide receiver that goes to the, goes to the huddle and he hears the plays and he goes, Oh, the hot route? I'm not the hot route? Oh, okay. So he just goes out there and just kind of jogs it. He's like, he's he gets like, targeted oh, the most. Me. He gets targeted Which is the worst fucking switch. thing I've ever heard. Uh-huh. Okay. So he, so number one route they run in the offense is a curl route. Genius. Okay, whatever. He runs a curl route from the slot position. What's the most important thing about running a curl route? Uh, you come back to the ball with right. a curl. Yeah. You come back the curl, to the ball. probably. Not the route. So curl. he... But you, but you have to stop, turn around, and come back to the ball or else the corner cuts down on you and intercepts it. This lazy cunt goes, turns around, goes, oh, it's intercepted. The guy's right two feet in front of him. Does he try to tackle him? Does he chase him? Does he do anything? No. No, that lazy motherfucker just goes, oh, he's throwing to me? Oh, okay. I don't, I don't even fucking know. Get that cunt off the field. Oh, my Every God. single play is like that. Every single play where he's just, he's just jogging along and he goes, Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize you're gonna throw. I wasn't really paying attention on this one. It's just like, oh my god, dude. They, he he's not talented enough to be that lazy. And if he's gonna be that lazy, then get the fuck out of here, man. Get the fuck out of here. I'd rather have George Pickens or even Claypool by that mean by that means. And I fucking hate Claypool, but I don't hate him as much as I hate Deontay Johnson for being such a lazy piece of shit. So, yeah, there there's. There's a difference, and because it is not only Matt Canada, and it's it's guys with a certain attitude in the in the group, like that guy. He they're paying him twenty two million dollars a year, twenty two fucking million dollars. That piece of shit to go out there and not even run a full curl route for him to see a guy get intercepted right from him. He's just like, eh, I'm not gonna tackle him. Somebody else will. Like, get the fuck out of here, man. Yeah. The Steelers don't usually start three three receivers on their offense. We can start two. Put a fucking put Derek Watt back there. Put a tight end in there. I don't give a shit. You're really not doing my favor, any favors for my team. I'm trying to move Deontay Johnson at this point, and anybody listening to this podcast is going to ah, – you're killing well, me. I, I, I watch him play every week. The, the guy's just a lazy bitch, and I can't – I can't. I call a spade a spade. You know, like you, you're going to go out there and put in that amount of effort, then I'm going to call you out for putting in that shit amount of effort, man. Like it's – it's it was every single play with him this past weekend, and there were multiple times. The last interception, very last interception, he he does an inside an inside post route at the very end when he's supposed to do a curl route. It's a little off, it's a little off by Kenny Pickett. It's interception, but it's still it was it was the exact amount of effort that he put in all game, and I, I just I'm so sick and tired of watching him play. Yeah, well, I'm just gonna let you call my fancy team lazy bitches i guess i'll stand by and let you do it just one of them just just one of them just one of them okay Uh, that's fair enough uh we're gonna count that as a steelers heat check is that all right oh yeah that's cool (laughs) uh dfs review 
last week I was pretty on Burrow and Jamar Chase. I thought they were going to blow the league away. Uh, it turns out that uh, it was Burrow and Chase and every other Bengal. Uh, the winning lineup was Burrow, Chase, Higgins, Boyd, Hurst, both Cowboys running backs, and the Cowboys defense, which just blows the mind of every expert and every person that's ever constructed lineups in daily fantasy. That just never happens. It happened last week. The guy won a million dollars. This week, and I'm staying on this theme, okay? Staying on this theme, stacking teams. This week, I like Tua Waddle Hill to get up there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Goff Amon Ra Hawk is a good stack, I think. And then uh Kyler Murray Hopkins Ertz. Those three are gonna be the ones that I focus the most. We'll see if we can go anywhere with that. But I really like the Tua Waddle Hill. Um I think that that is gonna be a really lopsided game and, and Tua might have a really, really mm-hmm. good week. So I like those. I really like the Hill pickup. I wouldn't be surprised in a Daniel Jones big week. Really? And he might be very cheap. Oh, absolutely. Quarterback wise, and you could fill out the rest of your roster with some studs. Yeah. There's something absolutely. to think about. Yep. Last things, last survivor pick of the week. I've been pretty obvious. I, I, I feel like I've been surviving. I, I survived last week with the Cowboys. I know a lot of people would have picked the Bucks. I just didn't want to go there. This week, I'm going and get this with the Falcons. I think Falcons are going to win this week. I don't think there's any way in hell that Carolina comes on the road and does exactly what they did against Tampa Bay. I think it's a one-week fluke. I think you're still talking about P.J. Walker and an inept offense. Uh, Let's go with the Falcons. I think the Falcons win this week. Is there a team that – It's not bad. I'm guessing you're going to go Eagles. Yeah. Yeah, I I like it. Coming off a bye, 6-0 – Steelers defense has been playing better, but not uh, not 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 good enough to be winning football games. The offense is probably going to have one of their toughest uh, matchups defensively since the Bills game, which they got trounced in. Um, so I, I don't I don't really see there being really any any good possible way of them winning. I mean, you add in today that the Eagles even went and got Robert Quinn to add a little extra pressure on the line. It's It'll it'll definitely be uh, Kenny Pickett's toughest matchup. So, yeah, I, I would go with the Eagles. I think that's an easy win. Okay. Probably a safe bet, but we'll see. I think those – you got to say, that game, battle for uh, battle for Pennsylvania, you know, the Eagles coming into this game with a, a World Series coming up against the Astros. Maybe, you know, Philadelphia starts to crumble one by one. Did you know that next week – there is a Philadelphia versus Houston game every single day of the week, including Thursday, which is going to be Houston against the Eagles on Thursday night. Doesn't that isn't that exciting? That is pretty cool. That I like that. Monday through Wednesday, Astros Phillies. Thursday, Texans Eagles. Friday, Saturday, Sunday is also Astros Phillies, if needed. If the Astros don't sweep them before, which we are all crossing our fingers for, Scott. That's it. We need to get ready and watch some football, man. It's always good to talk to you. Um, I think we should just dress up every week. <laughs> you know, I do feel like a lot better in fantasy football manager this week, so I agree. You do. Hey, if you win this week, we'll make you a deal. If you win, you got to wear that for the podcast next week. 
In All fact, right, that until you deal. lose, until you lose. Uh, from here on <laughs> out, guys, we're going to try to have a three-person panel, so we'll be having guests every week in the second half. Um, but hey, good first half, Scott. Always good to uh, have you on the podcast and get to talk football with you every week, so thank you for showing up today. Guys, we will talk to you next week, same time, same place. See ya. falls across the land the midnight hour is close at hand creatures crawl in search of blood to terrorize your neighborhood and whosoever shall be found without the soul for getting down must stand and face the hounds of hell and rot inside a corpse's shell Ha, ha, ha.